Thank you for joining me for another episode of Miracles in Everyday Moments. This is Christina Boschman with Let My Legacy Be Love. Love, our greatest gift and our most precious legacy. Today, I've decided to share another story with you that didn't make it into my book, Let My Legacy Be Love, because it just wasn't right for that project. However, with everyone being in quarantine and everything feeling very much out of control, I thought this story might be appropriate and it might be helpful for you. The story is called On the Beach. Just as I rolled through the throughway toll booth, the engine light suddenly glared a bright, taunting red. Damn it, I muttered. I quickly considered my alternatives, go home and finish a report that was due by 4 o'clock, or take the drive to Todd's, my mechanic friend who lived another 20 minutes in the opposite direction. The dark blue Honda I fondly referred to as Honey didn't owe me anything. Over the previous five years, she had started every single time I inserted a key. 146,000 miles with nothing but oil changes and no breakdowns. But the timing of an engine problem was not ideal. You see, I was planning to leave on a retreat to Rhode Island in three days. I needed a vacation and had planned it late in the season when there would be no crowds. I thought for a moment and then opted to head to my friend's shop. He was the best mechanic I knew, and I knew he wouldn't steer me wrong. When I arrived, he lifted the hood, inserted some wires, and then read the results. He shook his head when he said, This kind of diagnostic code could be anything. Did you check to be sure the gas cap is on tight? That's the first thing I did, I said. He knitted his eyebrows, which told me he was unsure of what he was going to tell me to do. Well, tell you what, Christina... I'll turn off the engine light and let's see if it comes on again. But my feeling is it should be fine. He patted the right front fender. This old girl's got many miles left on her. Todd was my friend and I trusted him. But yet I had a nagging thought that kept creeping in as I drove back to my office. I didn't want to be on the road alone with a broken down car. It had been a full year and a half since my last vacation, and that last 18 months since then had been jam-packed with 15-hour days and many seven-day work weeks. I didn't only want some time off, I needed it. I was sure that several days at the shore on Rhode Island with the crowds of summer long gone was just the tonic I needed. I wasn't going to let anything stop me. As I drove back to the office, I considered my options. I could always rent a car for a few days rather than having the worry that something might happen to Honey while I was on the road. Once home, I checked my email, answered my phone message, but my mind was distracted by the thought of the glaring engine light and the possibility of a breakdown. At promptly 5 o'clock, I closed my office door, picked up the phone, and dialed. How late are you open tonight, I asked the cheery receptionist. 7.30? Okay, great. Less than 20 minutes later, I was at the local Honda dealer bargaining on a new car. According to the blue book, Honey still had a good trade-in value. 
If you buy this car tonight, Christina, we will give you an extra $2,000 off, the salesman said after some negotiating. When could I pick it up? I asked. Tomorrow if you want, he answered. I wasn't crazy about the sage green exterior, but I couldn't beat the price. Sold to the lady with the red hair, I said. The salesman shook my hand. The following afternoon, just after 3.30 p.m., I transferred my suitcases out of Honey's back seat, said a fond goodbye, and got into my new car to set off to the sandy shore of Rhode Island. As I drove, I sang along with my favorite CD. On the passenger seat were piled my iPhone and headset, a novel, and a couple of notebooks. The printed bag on the floor held the items I needed for the ceremony I intended to carry out at the ocean's edge. When I pulled up to the hotel, though, I was confused. The huge parking lot was completely empty. The hotel was dark, and the streets were deserted except for an unkempt terrier running up the sidewalk away from the shore. I checked the photograph on my Hotels.com reservation, then looked back up to the sign. This was definitely the place. I hoped it would be quiet, but I didn't expect it to be deserted. Many of the windows were boarded up, and it appeared the place was closed. Well, it's certainly quiet around here, I whispered to myself, just as a pickup truck sporting two sets of ladders and a built-in toolbox pulled up next to me. You must be Christina, the cheerful driver greeted as he hopped down out of his truck. I've been waiting for you. As soon as we get you packed in, I can get myself home for dinner. The wife is making spaghettis with meatballs tonight. I was at ease instantly. This 30-something man rushed ahead of me before turning back to ask, Do you need a hand? Thank you, I said with a smile when he grabbed my suitcase. For a minute, I thought you were closed when I noticed the boarded-up windows, I said, as I filled out the required paperwork. We're just getting ready for winter. The storms around here are pretty fierce, he replied. When I handed him the paperwork, he looked it over and then asked, So, what brings you here in November? I need some quiet for a few days. Time to think. His laugh was hearty. Well, you certainly came to the right place for that. The couple in the honeymoon suite will be leaving tomorrow, and then you'll have the whole place to yourself. Perfect, I answered. Everything was going exactly according to plan. I was excited that the ocean was only a few hundred feet from the stairs that led to my room. The deck that wrapped around the entire place was weathered, and the last vestiges of summer, including beach chairs and tables, were piled at crazy angles just outside my door. The furnishings inside were well used, and the place smelled of ocean salt and humidity, but the bed was cozy, and the lamplight softened the room. As I dragged my belongings past the bed to the closet, I knocked over the broom that had been resting against the wall. Somebody was thinking, I said softly as I grabbed it and pushed the sand that coated the bottom of my shoes and suitcase back out the door where it belonged. All night long, a storm raged, the sand tapping a steady rhythm like a million tiny fingernails against my windows. The ocean roared and rose in huge swells, pulling anything not bolted down into its powerful grip. As the first rays of morning found their way into my cozy room, I studied a small sand dune that lay across the windowsill and spilled over onto the floor where the old window had come loose. 
yawning and stretching, I picked up the broom to sweep it up. Opening my door, I pulled in a lungful of fresh ocean air, tasting salt on the back of my tongue. I considered taking a walk, but then decided to crawl back into bed. There was no rush this morning. This vacation was about resting, relaxing, and writing. I pulled out my notebook, feeling satisfied as I read over the list I had made before my trip. As the wind and rain continued to blow, I sat in quiet meditation, my eyes closed, mind focused, and body completely still. I came to this spot with the intention of standing at the ocean's edge to do a ceremony of release. Four years had passed since my now ex-husband told me he wanted a divorce. Up until recently, I was happy with my solitary lifestyle, but the last few months had brought with them a feeling of loneliness. It was time to move past the heartbreak and finally put the past in the past, exactly where it belonged. Later that afternoon, I wandered the beach, the wind wrapping around me like a blanket as it swirled, circling high above before dropping down to kiss my cheeks and lips with a chapping. As I continued my solitary walk, my jeans grew heavy with ocean, salt, and sand. It's a nasty day to be out there, the caretaker said with a smile when I tramped up the deck stairs, stamping the sand off my sneakers. I think it's beautiful, I replied. I love the way it smells, fresh, salty. He tilted his head a bit, hesitating briefly, but his eyes were heavy with a question. Finally, he pulled in a breath and asked, I can't help but wonder what brings you here all by yourself in November. I remember that it struck me as odd that a man would say something like that. I leaned my back against the railing and looked out over the ocean. I really just came here for quiet. I've been crazy busy for the last couple of years. No husband, he asked, looking at my hand. No, I answered. He laughed. My voice sounded a bit pathetic even to me. A good-looking woman like you has no need of a louse, he said, and then added, good riddance. I burst out laughing. There was something so sweet about this man. Yes, I agreed. You're absolutely right. His face turned serious as I continued to giggle. Do me a favor, he asked. Sure, I said. My mom always told me not to waste a lot of time thinking about someone who doesn't appreciate you, he said. Your mom is a smart woman, I responded. Just then, he reached into his pocket to pull out his ringing phone. The wife, he said with a smile. I waved and headed toward my room, hearing him say, Hi, honey. There are angels everywhere, I scribbled into the notebook laying upon my bed. Such an interesting conversation with a sweet young man. Later, I grabbed my journal. While I walked, I found the perfect spot for the ceremony I planned. The previous week, I had spent my evenings considering all the good things in my life, including my boys, my girlfriends, my work, my voice students. I was happy about where my life was, even if it wasn't perfect. The second list included things that no longer served me. Things like speaking without thinking, or saying unkind things to myself about my body and my face and my hair. 
and caring what other people said about me. As the daylight dimmed, my excitement rose. I packed my backpack, journal, candle, matches, sage, glass jar, flashlight. When the red man on the face of the clock announced that it was six o'clock, I called my girlfriend before pulling on my heavy coat. Would you please hold space for me, I asked. I'm leaving for my ceremony. Of course, she agreed. Gusts of wind battered the hotel, and the surf thundered against the shore as I prepared to leave. But when I stepped outside, I was surprised that it had warmed a bit. The wind battled me as I made my way east, where I had found the perfect spot hours earlier. Several huge, dark boulders provided shelter to a small cove. The spot was isolated and very quiet. It's perfect, I thought, as I unpacked my supplies and prepared myself. At first, I felt a little silly when I raised my hands to the wind. Who did I think I was? Why would God care about my trivial problems when there were wars raging, babies dying, families breaking up, and human drama playing out all over the planet. I hesitated for a moment. Suddenly, I remembered the words of a wise friend. Just because you're not dying from cancer or not living in a war-torn area does not mean that your feelings aren't valid. I whispered a thank you for the memory, took a deep breath, and said, I am here today to release these things that no longer serve me. Well, they never served me in the first place. I don't want them anymore, and I am ready to let them go. I read the list one item at a time, pausing between each announcement. When I finished, I felt amazing. My plan was to tear up the list and burn it, but the force of the wind wouldn't allow it. Instead, I announced, Since it's too windy to burn this list, I will tear it into tiny pieces, dig a hole in the sand, and let the ocean take it away. As I dug the hole with the toe of my shoe, a wave soaked me to the knees. Damn it, I cursed as I jumped back to a safer distance. Once more, I dug a hole and then stuffed the scribbled scraps of paper into the sand. As I reached back for a handful of sand to cover the scraps, a wild gust came up around me, snatching the pieces from the hole and sending them whirling above my head. Darn it! I said, this time with hot tears of frustration stinging my eyes. As I stood helplessly watching, the scraps flew high into the air, settling into the waves, out across the road, and some onto the boulders. I was so disappointed. The most important part of the ceremony, releasing the old feelings through burying them and letting the ocean take them, was a complete and utter failure. I walked back to my hotel with slumped shoulders and a heavy heart. Everything had been planned to perfection. How could this have happened? Suddenly, though, I was hit with a thought, and I started to laugh. Oh, my God, how perfect, I shouted as I began to run. One thing I hadn't put on my list was the need to feel in control to feel that things needed to be perfect. 
the ceremony was no less perfect because it hadn't gone the way I wanted it to go. What a gift. I could not stop smiling. So, this story is exactly as I remember it, right down to the sand dune formed on the windowsill and the floor and the conversations with the caretaker, the scraps of paper flying up over my head in the crazy dance. And if I'm to be completely honest, it did take me some time to get rid of that feeling, that nagging feeling of the imperfect ceremony. Perfectionism is a very difficult trait to overcome, as are very many others. And what this experience taught me was that the ceremony didn't need to be my kind of perfect. It only needed to be done with intention for a purposeful thought. When these type of experiences occurs, I think it's important to understand that the universe God, source, whatever you call your creator, is not working against you, but rather is working for you to teach you a valuable lesson if you're open to hearing it and understanding it. The key is to remember that every moment, no matter how imperfect it may seem, is perfect for that moment. When I'm overcome with something that's happened, I've learned to take a really deep breath in and then let it out slowly. And during that time, as I sit with that out breath, to remind myself that every single moment is perfectly imperfect. Since it became to my habit to look at my life in that kind of a way, everything has just become so much easier, even here with this pandemic and everything going on. Now, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes practice, but it is life-changing. And for me, that understanding, that moment of wow, this is about learning to let go of control. That was my miracle in my everyday moment. Thank you so much for listening. As I've said during past broadcasts, I am very interested in your stories, your miracles in everyday moments. I would love to hear them. If you would email me at Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, at LetMyLegacyBeLoved.com. Tell me a little bit about yourself, a little, about, a little bit about your story, and I would love to set up an interview and interview you so you can share your stories. Also, check out my website. We have a program that we call the Breakthrough Program, which is three steps for working through anything. The program itself is, is simple. It's not easy. But it is the process of looking at things for a reveal to understand what's going on so that you can release it and then reclaim what has always been yours, which is a good life. Also, I have books for sale on my website until probably the end of the month. I'll move it till April 30th. I am selling them at my cost, which is $6. Generally, they sell for $16.99 on Amazon. 
I would like you to have a copy of it if it's something that you feel resonates with you. And I wish you a miracle today and a miracle tomorrow and a miracle every single day. I am Christina Boschman. Thank you so much for listening.